You're listening to the Leadership Jam Session Podcast, the place where you'll get to hear leaders at all levels of management share their practical solutions to the management challenge you face every day. So let's get ready to jam. I'm your host, Rob Fonte. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. Today's guest is Rebecca Merowith, who is a biotech executive with 30 years of healthcare experience, with the majority of that time holding leadership positions within small and large companies. However, Rebecca brings some unique leadership experience related to being a part of three startup companies, and we'll get to hear Becca talk about her leadership journey and her approach in successfully leading teams through a startup environment, which also includes leading them through times of uncertainty. Becca, welcome to the Jam Session. Oh, thank you so much, Rob. What a pleasure. And I've seen and heard many of your guests before, so I'm very humbled to be in their presence and in yours. Thank you for inviting me on today. I appreciate you coming on. I'm excited to hear about your journey. And I know you have a lot of mechanisms out there that you can share with us. So are you ready to jam? I am ready to jam. All right. Let's first start off with talking about some of your guiding leadership principles. What would you say those are the most important ones to you? I have spent a lot of time during my career following great leaders. And what has really stuck with me is servant as leader and leading with authentic humility, leading with authenticity and just being yourself, but understanding that the position of leadership is a privilege and that you really are in service of those that you are leading. And in turn, that creates a great level, I think, of followership. And I think that is probably the most succinct, and I'm not always accused of being succinct. So that's probably the most succinct description of how I view leadership. So you talk about followership, and it's always a telltale sign of some great leaders when they always do have a following. And as I mentioned in the opening, you've been a part of three startup organizations. And I know that you had some tremendous success even within your last position that you held and where you built out a team. And you did have several people follow you to that organization. What would you say is the key to that? Maybe you can dig in a little bit deeper into what that looks like in terms of that humility and that authenticity. What does that authenticity mean and look like for you? For the most part, I find when people are willing to follow me, it's because I act in a level of transparency, always appropriate, but really helping people to understand where the organization is going, what their role is within that organization, and then disclosing as much as possible so that we can all be successful. I find that if you keep people in the dark, I have a saying, no one likes to be a mushroom. If you keep people in the dark, they have a tendency to not have as great a level of trust in your leadership and in the organization, which is incredibly important. So I think that really being upfront with your team in the good times, as well as in the not so great times, if you are really upfront with your team, respect them for the professionals that they are, I think that really translates to a level of trust where they appreciate appreciate where you're going and you're going to lead them to a great place. I found that for me personally, that has really impacted the way my team has viewed me in a positive way. I have to say that I've been able to have as a great example, some great leaders, people like Lonnie Mulder, people like Sean Tomasello, where I've been very privileged to learn from their leadership style and their level of servant humility and transparency and line of sight. Sean always had that great workshops even where she would dedicate time for us really appreciating what her line of sight was so that we could translate that for our teams. 
And Lonnie mm -hmm. did that in uh, a large part as well. So we all understood where we were going and could be successful in getting to that destination together. I got to imagine as you're building out a team, having that line of sight, that vision, because people are taking a chance coming into a, a startup type of environment. It's risky. And having that vision and communicating that, I have to imagine is a critical component of making people feel like they've made the right decision. Absolutely. I think being able to articulate that vision clearly is incredibly important. And again, that starts with the senior leadership, the CEO mm -hmm. and all aspects of those people leading the organization. Having that clear vision and be able to articulate that, be able to explain where where you're going. People believing in that and wrapped in that, there's a lot of things that come with that. It's the promise of the product. It's how we're going to treat our patients and how we're going to think about patients and putting them first. It's then taking all of those promises and then putting action behind that so that people see you, what you said you were going to do, you do. If there's a reason why you don't do that, then you explain it. And you're that, again, that level of transparency, because sometimes during the course of building a biotech, you have to course correct. You have to create programs or processes. And you're always accused as you're building a biotech, oh, we're becoming big pharma, we're, be we're doing this. And, and I always would say there's nothing wrong with that, because sometimes getting to that level means that you've been successful. There's always an opportunity to potentially go off course. And it's just incredibly important that your communication style, how you think about your business, how you think about your team, that engagement level is there and you're constantly communicating to your team and that it's a two-way communication. You're not only willing to give feedback, but you're willing to receive feedback and course correct when needed as a leadership team as well. We were talking a little bit the other day about the transparency piece and the need to be direct as well. I've often been accused of being direct, but I take that as a positive. But yes, being direct in your feedback, I think is a gift. Mm -hmm. I'm actually a, a good friend of a mutual friend of ours, Michelle Corfin, said one time and it held with me that feedback is a gift. And not only have to be willing to give that feedback to people, but also be willing to receive it as you're delivering the feedback, helping people understand that you're in this with them and that the feedback is a really a demonstration of that. I, I can think of a story here where a person who is a friend of mine, he is a terrific leader, but there were times when we had to press pause and say, here's something that you can improve on. And it would have been very easy for me to let that person who was a good leader just continue on without these minor tweaks, if you will, and sometimes major tweaks. But if you trust me enough to come on my team, then I want to return that and show you that part of that trust and part of that agreement is for us to have honest conversations that are intent upon your development and helping you to move forward because I had multiple levels where, you know, people who reported to me also had teams. It was really important for me to walk the walk and to demonstrate that level of feedback and delivering and receiving it so that my teams could then take that into their teams and how mm -hmm. they worked with their teams as well. I'm in the middle of doing several workshops for a few clients of mine that were doing a feedback workshop and people really do struggle with giving direct feedback. They do. It is a, a challenge for many managers managers, particularly new managers. And when you really sit back and think about it, the way you just explained it to me, I didn't take that as being direct. It just looked like coaching. I think that embedded in all of that, you're exactly right. It's coaching. It's an investment in people. And you have to be willing to make that investment in, in your team. And the basis of all of that is the trust that you built. And trust comes over time, making that commitment to your team to always be present, to always be kind of in the trenches with them. That's where trust comes from. And then once you have that trust, 
that opens the door to all kinds of great things. The ability to deliver feedback, the ability to coach, the ability to have honest conversations. There were definitely times when decisions that I had made perhaps negatively impacted the team and you'd get that feedback loop. And sometimes it was, okay, let me be very clear as to why I had to make this decision. And please trust me that this is the right decision for the team. Other times it was a sense of taking on that level of humility and saying, you know what, guys, you're right. That wasn't my best moment. And let's course correct. Let's move into a different direction that the team feels like will better serve them and the product and ultimately the patient long-term and to check yourself and check your ego at the door. I also have another Becca-ism, find your kind of crazy and hang out with it. And my kind of crazy are those people who can approach the business with a sense of responsibility, but it's that privilege of leading teams. And if you can approach it with that sense of gravity, if you will, that to lead a team is a privilege. And my kind of crazy is to deliver the direct feedback. Hopefully it's great. Others will determine that. But to deliver the feedback, to be part of a team that is collaborating, moving forward with a level of transparency where I don't do well and where I found that people who are like-minded is when you don't have that level of transparency. And so what I expect to receive, I, I hold myself accountable for delivering. Those are the expectations that you know you set for people that you're leading, right? As you said, it kind of goes both ways. People do gravitate towards each other. We all have our craziness and we all gravitate to similar people, although we might be different. But, but that's embedded that. in the message. It's a message of positivity. I tell my kids, if somebody doesn't like you, it's not personal. It's just you're not their type of crazy. And if you don't like somebody, it's not personal. They've got friends and family and all kinds of other social networks that they operate in. But you're just, they're not your kind of crazy. It's right. a two-way street. Find your kind of crazy, hang out with it. And I think great things happen. If there was something I could tell my younger self, I think I was actually pretty successful at doing that over the years. But it is to recognize in yourself that there are certain attributes of leadership that you look for and to be true to that. Don't waver from that. I was very fortunate, as I said earlier, in having great examples of leadership that I could follow and that there are people who still act as mentors for me. No matter what your position is, having those amazing examples and mentors is incredibly important. But it starts with knowing yourself first and really understanding what are your blue chips, if you will. That was an old program way back in the day that the things that most valuable to you were were referred to as your blue chips, but Mm -hmm. figure out what your blue chips are and really stick to that. Don't take the easy path that sometimes takes you away from those blue chips. Well said. And I got to imagine that in, in a startup environment, it does take certain type of people to feel comfortable and confident in coming to work in that type of environment because it can be very different. Yeah. Well, the pace is very different, Mm -hmm. right? And the expectations are very different. What When you're building a company, you're oftentimes doing it with less resources than a larger or more established company might have. You might not be able to afford to hire a great consulting group to help you define or design your territories. You might be doing it literally on the back of an envelope over dinner and saying, what do we know that what have all of our experience, our collective experiences tell us about what we need from a headcount perspective and moving forward with that? But I think at the end of the day, the energy that you have in a startup and the accountability, if again, kind of finding your type of crazy, if you find people and you align yourself with people who that's where they get their energy, they mm-hmm. love that idea of taking um, a chance and up at a maybe lean sometimes really having a lot on your plate, but knowing that what's on your plate can make a big impact. 
for patients, for their families, for your colleagues. As you're building a company, hopefully you're building value both from a revenue perspective and from a shareholder value. And if you can engage in that virtuous cycle where you're doing the right things for the patients and their families, and at the same time, you're building a sustainable company, those are really exciting times and and ones that I treasure. You bring up a great point as you're talking through this. It is a very energizing environment. It's that entrepreneurship. You're wearing many hats at times and things are changing fast. And I think what makes it more rewarding and exciting is it goes back to what you said before that you're going to need to make some changes along the way because that's just the type of the environment. And there's nothing more refreshing than having a leader at the top setting the pace who's also willing to acknowledge that, you know what, Uh, I might have made a mistake. I hear what you're saying and let's change course here. And that's what makes it, I think, probably a more engaging, successful environment. So it goes back to kind of what you said before, that humility piece as well. Right. And understanding that, man, if you hire the best, there's a reason you hired them. They bring with them great experiences (laughs) and great knowledge. I had people on my team who had done and been part of other company launches and product launches. And so it would be incredibly just short-sighted on my part to not take advantage of that. I felt that when we were at Tesaro, that went all the way up. You'd be sitting in a meeting where Lonnie and Mary Lynn were at the head of the table and you knew that they had a clear vision of where we were going, but they engaged everybody at the table. And Lonnie was the CEO. Lonnie was the CEO and Mary Lynn was the president. And as co-founders, they shared a lot of the vision, knowledge, and so forth. But they were were at the top of the company, Mm -hmm. but yet had the humility, again, if you will, to seek out what other people were thinking so that we could all move in a, a positive direction. And it turned out terrific. We were able to transact the company and I reflect on my time there as some of the best in my career and really was an opportunity for me to make an impact to kind of put my money where my mouth was and not take Mm -hmm. the easy path made tremendous sacrifices along the way but when you feel like what you're doing is for a higher purpose Mm -hmm. and a greater good the sacrifices that you make seem inconsequential to the impact you believe you can have which goes back to having that transparent environment where the voices are heard and you're making changes based on everyone's ideas and what they're contributing Great things happen when everyone feels like they have a voice and with a clear vision of where they're going. I think you can create an unstoppable workforce if those things are present. People who are kept in the dark or when you introduce complexity where complexity isn't needed, I think you create an environment that it's a little bit of you reap what you sow. You will create an environment where people feel disengaged and feel like they can operate at a lower level. And I think especially during this time where with the pandemic, there's just so much complexity to that. But I think organizations that are sustainable and built for the long term have created and are adapting to create environments where people still feel that transparency, Mm -hmm. they still feel heard, and leadership can clearly convey the direction that you're headed. In my industry, there's always a patient that you need to think about. What are you doing today to help that patient? And I do think sometimes we make things much more complicated than what they really need to be. And when we talk about creating an environment of transparency, that includes having debate. 
I'm sure as you were building out your team, there was the opportunity not only for, for the ideas to be put on a table, but also for good, healthy debate that gets that innovation. Oh, that was our lifeblood. I remember sitting in commercial leadership team meetings where Grant Bogle, another great leader, was leading our commercial team. Have great debates between marketing and market access and, yeah. and commercial. Grant would have a saying, we're going to cuss and discuss. Right. Uh, but when yeah. you left that meeting, you had an aligned vision that you could take then to your teams. And then the feedback loop continued. You might take an idea out of the commercial leadership team meetings that were occurring and go to your team and speak to your membership. And then something new would come up. And so mm -hmm. it was a, again, you enter into that virtuous cycle yeah. because you're bringing the ideas forward, you're seeking to improve them, and it just continues. When transparency isn't present, where that leads to are people creating their own narrative. They don't put sunshine and roses in a vacuum. What you do when you're able to be appropriately transparent, sometimes there are things you can't share, but when you're able sure. to be appropriately transparent and not hold things close to your vest because it makes you feel more important, when you act in that level of humility that we really need as a team to move forward, to discuss, to everybody have the same understanding, you can create great things because you're tapping into the collective intellect. If you don't do that, then within that vacuum, and as people place their own fears, mm -hmm. their own concerns, their own experiences, it really creates a distraction that you just don't need, especially in a small company. I don't mm -hmm. think you need it in any companies, but right. especially in a small company. The fewer distractions you have, the more focused you can be on the objectives that are in front of you. Yeah, because it goes back to the time issue, right? The thing you don't have in abundance in a small company is resources and time. Let's cut to the chase. Let's throw it all on a table and let's just hash it all out. That's yeah. exactly right. And again, the energy that comes from that is just extraordinary. That was what was addictive to me. I mm -hmm. think that's why I've, I focus on going into these startup organizations or mm -hmm. organizations that are relatively new in their life cycle, because that level of energy is just completely yeah. addictive. I totally agree. And, and the opposite of that, and I've seen this, is people are afraid. They might make a recommendation and then just stop right there. There's no motivation to push it forward for a variety of reasons. But And typically that's where you see silos come up. And several months later, we're back at the table talking about the same thing. Yeah, I think that there's silos that come out of that. I used to say to my team, because especially when you're working with different stakeholders internally, somebody would say, well, that's my relationship with a customer. I say, we don't own any relationships. We're all renting. And so those types of silos, those types of barriers that we put in front of ourselves, we create them. Our customers don't. And so the more you can break down those silos, break down the barriers, create a level of shared vision across the various functions, you're going to appreciate success. You're going to have success. In my opinion, silos and whether it's a complex, multi-faceted company or a, a small biotech, silos can be in any of those. It's sure. It really comes down to the leadership and how you want to view your business and how you want to view the partnerships that you want to have. 
and how seriously you take that. There are small companies who have silos, so it's not you know, just the realm of large companies. It really has to be a conscious decision on the leadership's part, and that has to be demonstrated across all functions. The leaders have to set the tone and the example. If I view somebody in a different function in my company, whether it's marketing or medical or, or so forth, as, well, we're working with them because we have to. That's on me. Yeah. It's not on my team. And so creating those opportunities of true partnership across functions is really the leader's responsibility. And I think that is something I also strived to do was to ensure that my team saw the respect that I had for my colleagues and that even if we had a disagreement in approach, once we aligned on what that approach would be, we were aligned and we yeah. moved forward. We didn't undercut each other. And I think that was also owed to a lot of the success that we saw with our partners internally. I think you make a great point, right? The leader sets the tone and pace for everyone else to follow. And the higher up you are, it's probably more important too, because as you said, even in, in your example of Lonnie, the CEO, kind of set that tone. And then it was up to us as the people that he trusted to lead these functions, because as a leader, you don't have the luxury of, and you shouldn't, micromanaging every single aspect. You should be able to give the vision and how we're going to achieve this and then allow people the opportunity to do that. One of the things that I think people who have appreciated working with me and who have followed me and who continue to say they would love to, to work with me again, it really comes down to the fact that I empowered them to do their job. And then I knew my job as a leader was to block and tackle for them. My job was to make it easier for them to execute on the vision that we had set forward. And if there were any issues that came up, that was for me to take those bullets. It was for me to take those arrows. It wasn't for me to say, hey, go do it and come back when it's done. It was, that's the get your hands dirty aspect of leadership is to be in the trenches with them. Go see customers, go take feedback that you need to receive from customers directly. Don't be afraid to do that. And to really demonstrate to your team that your role is to be somebody who can amplify their efforts and really help them to achieve the success that they want. They want to achieve that. I felt like it was a big part of my job was to ensure that they were successful by providing them what they needed up to and including, as we talked about before, sometimes me having to course correct my own direction. Well, let's kind of just shift gears here for, for a moment because we talked about the appeal of a startup and the environment, the importance of transparency and humility. But with the startups comes the risk of the uncertainty as well as the possibility of being purchased by a larger organization, which has happened in, in all three of the startups that you were involved with. So I am curious, as a leader, how do you keep your employees engaged whilst trying to find the right balance of being as transparent as you can through those times of uncertainty? It has to be a huge challenge. It absolutely is. And because again, there's a time when a company is transacted where people may feel disappointed, they may feel scared, mm -hmm. they may feel angry. There's a lot going on during post-transaction. And I think it really comes down to demonstrating to your team that you are in it with them, that you have maybe just as many questions or fears or concerns, being honest in your communication with them, again, that, that level of transparency, and then sharing with them the information in real time as much as you can. Because 
people, again, don't put great things into a vacuum. When people know that you are truly in it with them, and that is judged by your actions and not by your words, and they trust you, then that carries through that transaction. I I will be honest, it would be very hard for me to show up two months before a transaction occurs and then, hey, everybody, we're in this together. Well, they may not know me. They may not know what I'm about. I think everything I did leading up to these the point of each of these companies being transacted and for the teams that I was part of, I showed them that I was there for them and that would do everything I can to make sure if things occurred that wasn't, sometimes things occur that wasn't exactly the way we wanted it to happen. But I was there communicating with them honestly and directly and giving them this is exactly what's going on. I know it's not exactly what we wanted or how we thought it would end up because some people might lose their position or some people might be retained and they wanted a different outcome. Every individual brings something different to the equation and just ensuring your authentic self with them. Don't try to fill in the blanks where you shouldn't and just be okay with the words, I don't know. I'll find out for you. Which is very scary for leaders to admit that. Well, and especially if you are the company that has been acquired, you Mm -hmm. oftentimes as a leader, you may not know things. And so being honest with your team and again, it might feel like a blow to your ego to say, well, I really don't know, but that's okay. It goes to the honesty that you need to have when you're dealing with people to always be upfront, to always be direct, even when it doesn't sometimes feel good. I'm a firm believer that respect is something that isn't just about delivering good news and showing someone respect by giving them a compliment. Respect is being honest in all your dealings with people, even when you have to deliver bad news. Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting. I've seen leaders take a a different approach, unfortunately, where they share no information and keep things very limited because I guess the fear is or the strategy is that they don't want their people to be distracted by potential takeover, whatever the case may be, or restructuring, things like that. It could be a a bigger distraction by not sharing. I agree 100%. I've actually seen that play out. When you deny people information, they'll fill it in. And oftentimes they're filling in with bad information. And so I'd much rather get ahead of it, be honest, And there might be times when you have to say, there are certain things that are still being figured out. We'll have more information in two weeks and two weeks comes and you still don't have the information. So just that level of transparency, I think that if you are looking to diminish distraction, then honesty and transparency will do that. It may not solve for all of it. People are still going to choose their own path. But for those people who appreciate and who are trusting in your leadership, the distractions will be at a minimum. And that was a source of pride for me in many of the integrations I had. I'll reflect on the two most recent. The retention of the team was quite high. Now, over time, people will decide one way or the other if they want to be part of the new organization and might choose a a different opportunity a year or so out, and that's natural. But I've seen the benefit of the approach that I've taken play out in being lower turnover during critical time and people staying focused and the business still continuing. That's the payoff. And as we're wrapping up here, last question for you. As you mentioned, you had high retention rate. There's one thing that you can point to that was the key to your success in having a high retention rate. What would you say that is? 
I think it was my own belief in, in both situations that there was potential in giving the new company a chance and then conveying that to the team. My own behaviors, was I staying positive? Was I getting my work done? Your followership always looks to the leader's behaviors and not just their words. What are you doing as a leader that is giving people the confidence that we're going to be okay? What are you doing in your day-to-day job? Those are the type of things that really people look to. They will listen to your words, but they will watch what you do even more closely. There can't be dissonance in that. You can't say one thing and do another. People watch you. I would say whether you're going through a transaction or just through a tough time, or even during some of the successful times, people are watching you. Take that seriously as a leader. I would really encourage leaders of any tenure, just always remind yourself that people are watching and what you do matters and your actions should always match your words. What you said there was so important related to a transaction or big or small company, your tenure doesn't matter. I think it's well said. I often talked about this in some of my other workshops that your employees will mirror your behavior regardless of the situation. So I think that is great guidance and advice. And the one last thing I will leave you with is that we're all leaders. I don't care what your role is. We all have the ability to influence and lead others, whether we're leading our peers, we're leading teams, we're leading our superiors. And I know that sounds very Pollyannish and so forth, but something I really believe because I saw some amazing leaders in my organization who had no direct reports and I respected and appreciated that about them. I hope that everybody listening to this podcast hopefully enjoyed it, got something out of it. Rob, you always do an amazing job and thank you for the service that you do. But I hope that people take away from this that leadership is an active and awesome opportunity. And I hope people take advantage of that and lead through every day. Becca, it's been a pleasure having you on. I really want to just thank you and appreciate sharing all of your leadership insights, your experience, and how you approach your, your teams and how you've approached it over the years. Thank you so much for inviting me. And here's to a, a great summer. Hopefully everybody out there stays safe and stays healthy. Thanks again, Becca. Thank you, Rob. Thanks so much for listening in today. If you're interested in learning more about the show or how we can assist you through my leadership consulting company, then please visit my website at leadershipjamsession.com. Thank you.